Hello, and welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Lindsay Baroker, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Andrea Pearson. And I'm Joe Lalo. And for today's show, we're going to talk about some of the marketing things or tactics or schemes that we've tried over the years and that did not work for us. And we're not saying that they won't work for you. And you'll find out in the show that some of the things that work for one of us did not work for another or vice versa. But hopefully by us sharing some of these things, maybe if it's something you were on the fence about doing anyway, you'll think, oh, well, maybe I don't want to try that one or, you know, um, Maybe you'll just be glad that you have fewer things that you have to do because uh, I, I feel like there's so much you could do in marketing that's not necessarily going to move the dial. But uh, And then to end on a more positive note, we will end with each of us sharing something that's kind of a tried and true thing that has worked for us. So tease that. Stick around for the end of the show. Before we jump into that, do you guys have any news that you'd like to share? I don't have a tremendous amount of news. Uh, I'm about 37,000 words into the new epic fantasy that I've been writing. Uh, this week has been a little bit hectic for me. Well, not hectic isn't the word. A little bit taxing for me because uh, we got darn near two feet of snow. And so the last couple of days have been entirely devoted to shoveling and recovering from shoveling. I, I'm not going to show the camera, but I wore a hole in my hand, which is now just about peeled. <laughs> so it was a heck of a time. And, but I've been getting my words done, just not really much else, just shoveling and words. I want to see. <laughs> you can show me after. It looks Howie. like that. It's, it's pretty. I was expecting something bloodier and more garish, honestly. I'm a little disappointed. It was at the beginning. It's better now. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, I would love to see that snow too. Um, we haven't, it's been actually pretty mild here. So I've been able to get outside a lot. The kids and I've been walking about four miles a day and it's been fun. Um, okay. So I've written a book and a half in the last five weeks for a new Saris series, a new Saris I'm steering. Um, it's nice to have the writing bug. It's been really, really fun. I've been getting a ton of, ton and ton and ton of, uh, writing done. Um, and our toddler is actually, I don't know if things, he goes through cycles. He's in a good cycle right now. So I'm going to, I'm taking advantage of it. And then, um, at the suggestion of my business mastermind, whatever you call it, marketing group, whatever that I created, uh, we got a nanny and, um, Lindsay has dubbed her Mary Poppins. <laughs> Uh, you dubbed her Mary Poppins. I didn't say that. You, you I just teased Twitter. you for getting a nanny and asked if she, how much nannies go for these days. In Twitter, you're like, was it Mary Poppins or that chick from Sound of Music? Oh, Twitter. <laughs> what, what you say in Twitter doesn't count. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, she started moving in today and she's going to be taking care of the kids two days, two to three hours a day. Uh, and, and five days a week. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be really good. And uh, it was kind of weird. Like I had so many people reach out to me. This is a lesson and read, read everything on Facebook before you comment or reach out to people. I was like the live in nanny, free room and board in exchange for childcare. And then plus money if she does more than what we need her to do. Right. I had so many people saying, Hey, I'd love to have your kids come stay at my house. And I'm like, why would I send my kids to your house? Anyway, it was really exciting. I had a lot of people tell me it was a creepy opportunity too. <laughs> but, like nannies aren't creepy. I mean, it's not creepy. It's, been, it's, been, it's like been going on for years, hundreds of years. Anyway, so she started moving in today and um, really looking forward to that, looking forward to getting in some solid guilt-free writing time because as a mom, it's really hard not to feel guilty when you take time away from the kids. Um, and then last week I accidentally trashed my voice dictating. I usually dictate in two sessions a day and I did three sessions It's 45 minutes and I haven't been able to dictate at all this week cause it's been so my voice is shot. So anyway, so yay. Um, luckily this week I am helping the nanny move in and nanny McPhee move in. <laughs> this is so weird. Anyway. Okay. The end from me. I think if you just said it was a roommate that was going to help out sometimes with the kids, that's like the modern way of saying it. Nanny sounds so like 1990s aristocracy, you know? It's so formal sounding, but roommate, I have a husband. I mean, I have a roommate. I have two roommates. <laughs> well, you get a roommate that's helping to pay down the mortgage. That's a thing. House hacking. <laughs> yes. 
All right. Well, for my news, uh, I sent the epic fantasy off to my beta readers. It ended up being about 150,000 words. And I'm taking a couple days. <laughs> I was going to take a couple days off. <laughs> you guys know how that goes. I've basically been doing admin and rereading my last Star Kingdom book, just kind of skimming through because I'm going to write a Valentine's Day bonus story for the fans. Um, I'm a little tempted to kind of jump over and do like an easy novel in that world before going back for Epic Fantasy number two, but I'm afraid to break away that early in the series. So I think I'm going to make myself write the first three and, and then maybe at that point I'll take a break for some easier stuff. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take this moment to do a YouTube update. I, I think we've teased about like, maybe we'll do a YouTube show for authors, like how, how not to suck on YouTube. But I feel like nobody would download that because authors immediately are thinking like, oh, you want me to be a YouTube personality and you know, do a video a day and then <laughs> make money from the advertising and stuff. And actually, that's not what I'm talking about at all. I, I did do a few of those videos when I first started uploading stuff and they got barely any views. Basically, some of my hardcore fans went over and checked them out. Uh, I've done like an interview with my narrator that did okay. And I did like a Death Before, Death Before Dragons behind the scenes video that did okay. But it's been about five weeks since I bothered. Because like I said, the views on those are not very not very high and they make next to no money on the advertising. So I'm like, yay, I don't have to do these. What is making money is I've been posting my audiobooks on YouTube. I, these are, I have only two series right now that I have this option to do it with. Everything else is either with Podium Publishing, so I therefore don't have the rights to go post them for free on YouTube or is exclusive to Audible. I may take my Emperor's Edge series out of the... Uh, non you know make it ask request to make it non-exclusive with audible so i can do that Put the first books up there with this too i've actually been posting the whole series i'm up to like book five in, in two different series on there i was originally going to just put up the book one in each and see if it drove sales to the to the store uh but then people were like i was getting so many nice comments from like and people from like iran and places where they're not going to go to audible and drop 20 bucks us for uh, a book plus i got to the point after about a month where i had a thousand subscribers uh, and the number of watch hours that are required i think 4000 40000 something like that in order to apply to the advertising so i started at that point putting ads. I, I didn't want to go very aggressive on it, which is funny because YouTube wants you to. They're like, let's recommend every three minutes for the first hour of your audiobook. Put an app, you know, you can choose like skippable ad or non-skippable. I've just done skippable. My point in doing this was really more to sell audiobooks to get people to check out my work on the other platforms. And I thought, you know, if I make a couple hundred a month or something, that'd be great. I wasn't really, didn't know what to expect because I really had no idea how long how many people would actually listen to a 10 hour audiobook on YouTube. But as it turns out, people are using this the same way they use Spotify or, or some other platform. I've got like yesterday I had a great comment from a FedEx driver who's being entertained while <laughs> listening to my Death Before Dragon series. I've had a bunch of truck drivers, a bunch of people from all over the world. It, you know, it's sort of like if you're wide anyway with your audiobooks, I'm kind of like, yeah, maybe put up book one. Don't necessarily put up your whole series. This is a bit of an experiment for me now, but I did end up making about $1,200 in January. That's the first month, full month I had ads. And it's not going to be that high going forward because I'm getting to the end of these series. So it'll be a while. I, I, I've been putting up one each week, each weekend for like eight, nine, 10 weeks, whatever's coming up. So I've been putting new stuff on, but I have been pleased that, at the amount of organic discovery that's been coming from YouTube. There are a lot of you, uh, YouTube audiobooks on there already, but they are mostly pirated copies. So it's very easy right now. I'm sure this will change because I'm talking about this on a podcast. Very easy to rank for fantasy audiobook, I found, by just putting fantasy audiobook in the title along with my thing. Because the pirate people don't really want... They're doing like their best not to be found because uh, YouTube's actually pretty good about copyright you know, you have to file it, but then they'll take it down within a dot a day. That is a downside because I've been doing pretty well on YouTube. I'm getting pirated more now. People are like, oh, that, that person is showing up. So we'll put the rest of their audiobooks up here. So I have had to file more of those. But uh, in addition to the ad revenue, I had an increase in sales in December at ACX uh, and an even bigger increase in January. Not huge amounts, but like a couple hundred sales more in December than usual, and then a couple hundred more than that in January. Given that I did not put any new books out in those time, any new audiobooks, I'm definitely chalking that up to the YouTube experiment. Because so I have had people in the comments say, hey, thanks, this is great. I enjoyed it through book three, and then I had to buy the rest. So I do think the best thing, unless you 
find that you can qualify for the ad program if you get enough subscribers. And if you find that you're making money on that, put up all you want. Why not? It's like another subscription service, right? It's Spotify. It's YouTube. People are either paying by watching the ads or they're paying by being a YouTube premium subscriber. I get a little more from ad revenue than I do from YouTube premium, but it shows you the split. Like 700 was from ads, like 500 was my split from the premium subscribers. So it's basically another subscription service, or I should say it's the first audiobook subscription service aside from Audible Plus. And like I said, you don't have to be exclusive anywhere. So I don't know. That's uh, I think that's all I needed to say on that. Andrea, did you have a question? Yeah. Are you uploading the whole entire book or are you doing it in sections when you do it? I'm doing the whole entire book, which is great on rural satellite internet. This is as amazing as you think it would be. (laughs) All my like, you know, your laptop turns off the screen after a while. So I had to like you know, play with the screensavers so that I could have it stay on long enough to upload overnight. Um, but the reason is that is what I've seen on there. That's what other audiobooks are. That's what, if you think about it, a trucker does not want to sit there and go like dink from video to video, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. Uh, and also, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. That's kind of what's, what's being done. I, I see authors that have put up like a chapter as a teaser and it has like next to no views. People don't want that. They want the whole book or nothing. So if you are going to do it, just put the whole book up there. I don't necessarily do it if it's your only book, but it's just the same as we've been doing for 10 years with free books, right? Free eBooks, make the first one free and then they'll buy the rest. Cause I, I have absolutely seen that case that people like I had a huge spike, not a huge spike, but a spike in like book four when I only had three books up. I could see in the ACX statistics that, oh, for some reason, book four has more sales, right? You know, than the previous three in the series because they got those ones for free. So that's why I think if you're going to try it, probably just put up book, maybe book one and two, whatever you think is needed to hook uh, people and however many more you have for sale. And make sure YouTube lets you put links to everything. I've been like, here's Chirp Books, here's Amazon, here's Audible, here's Apple Books, basically all the main stores where my audiobooks are. So I haven't gone and poked around in the sales data for the other ones. Everything else is through Findaway Voices. So it's a little delayed and more complicated to, to kind of tell at a glance if things are doing well. But Okay. Uh, so I will just do that for my update there. Another question. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. So if it's, do you just have it all in one file and then do you, what image do you use? I mean, what do people actually look at while they're listening? Sure. Yeah. It's all one file. I, I started out trying to use iMovie, which is the free Mac software, which kind of imploded trying to do a 10 hour video. Um, so I got the, I'm still on the free trial. Actually, it's like a 90 day free trial of Final Cut Pro, which is $300 software. I probably will get it eventually so I can keep doing this. But, um, I take all the MP3 files and put them just one after the other. Uh, anybody that's done any video editing will know with that, imagine that. And then I take the audiobook cover because that's the only video I have. And I put that and I just say, yep, play this, play this picture for 10 hours. And then you make it into a video. Cause I think you have, to, I'm not sure if you have to have a video on YouTube, but that's generally the thing. And then for the thumbnail, again, I just use the audiobook cover. So nobody is really watching your audiobook. Like I said, they're truckers, they're walking their dogs. Anybody that subscribes to YouTube Premium can keep a video playing even if the screen is off on their phone. And I would say the, the analytics on YouTube are pretty amazing compared to anybody else out there. It's just like, uh, I, I didn't mention that uh, as far as where... You know, fantasy audiobook and keyword searches is part of the traffic. A lot of the traffic is also coming from the end screen of other audiobooks that are on YouTube. So somebody gets, I've got been getting them from mystery books. And, you know, I think that right now there's not enough content up on YouTube, audiobook content for them to be genre, really wise about the genres. So I've randomly got people from like, you know, John Grisham, they finished that book, got mine recommended and listened. And, you know, if you go look at my channel, you'd be like, whoa, 70,000 views, that's a lot. But you got to figure only like one in 10 people is actually going to listen to the end. That's what about what it ends up being like one hour is kind of my average. So I figured that's one, nine people said, eh, not for me. And one, one out of 10 said, oh, an urban fantasy audiobook. I'm digging this one. So absolutely has been a discovery tool. A lot of people, you know, these are not my fans for the most part. They're people that are like, oh, hey, I never heard of you, but the series is pretty cool. So I've been excited about it. I've been like, you know, hey, 1200 bucks extra for just ad revenue on audiobooks that I already own and produced. 
you know, it's very, like I said, it takes about 10 minutes to put the file together. The main thing is uploading it. And if you're on cable, it's obviously not going to take you eight hours <laughs> probably to upload the files. All right. Do you have any, any other questions or thoughts or anything, or should we jump into our topic? Head shakes are happening. All right. Look at you guys made me go first. All right. So jumping into our topic of marketing tactics that we tried and that did not work for us. All right. The first thing I, I'm going first here. So I'm going to say, and listen to the end, I'm going to say content marketing for fiction authors in the sense that most people mean when they talk about it as in, oh, you should write nonfiction things. You should start a blog or YouTube channel or podcast. And you sh if you're cozy mysteries, take place in Seattle, you should write about Seattle and all the quirky things there. Cause that will lead people to want to buy your cozy mystery series that takes place in Seattle. I, I thought that too in the beginning. I, I, I had two different blogs I tried this on. One was a blog spot thing anonymously. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, I'll just put my books on the side, you know, while I'm pimping all these other books where I did kind of like reviews. I did like, here's some books in the genre on sale for 99 cents. I talked about uh, fantasy and tried that on my blog too in like 2012. So it's been a while. Really did not see the dial move for any of that. Not saying you can't get some people that will check it out, but I've certainly found that the best thing to sell your fiction is your fiction. It, it's very, your fiction is usually really different than the way like your blog style, if you're doing nonfiction and that kind of stuff. People don't know if you can put together a good story until they've read a good story by you. Um, and, and I saw this happen with somebody else too, that actually probably like 2014, 2015 sci-fi romance was just uh, getting to be a thing. And somebody had a, this, it was really great blog. I was checking it out all the time for a while. A lot of content and interviews with authors, a lot of good stuff, big audience for the niche, you know? And I, I just remember that when she published her own novel, it really didn't seem to like bring her any sales, even though she mentioned it on the blog. I mean, not none, but for the amount of effort, like if you're going to do this kind of thing, make sure you want to do it anyway. Like, it's kind of like if you start a YouTube channel for writers, you know, those folks, they're making money from the ads and they're making money from, I don't know, they might have courses and stuff, but realize only a small percentage of those people are actually maybe interested in the genre you write and go there. But that was a bit of a tangent. But I, so I just, I have not seen that the nonfiction content marketing works to sell fiction. Absolutely works to sell your nonfiction perfect for that. Um, so like I said, the thing that's worked the best for me is giving away my fiction. I have on the flip side, seen people completely establish fan bases by doing web serials that, you know, they often they're publishing new content to their website uh, for months, for years. And then they do the ebook thing and they got a huge fan base that they built up over that time. Uh, back in the day with patio books, people would do chapter by chapter, giving away their fiction for free. And then again, when they switched to starting to sell ebooks, it did really well. So fiction, content marketing, fiction with your fiction, yes. Um, but I have not had the experience of it, nonfiction stuff helping to sell fiction. Um, why don't you guys chime in on that before we go to the next one? Uh, yeah, I've never uh, tried the content marketing in that way personally, but I have been of uh, I have observed that when you get really good at doing something, people expect that from you. So if you actually get effect, if, it seems to me that if you actually got particularly effective at doing the nonfiction related to what you're talking about stuff, mostly people would be coming to you for more of that nonfiction stuff. And I like certainly the number is not zero of people who would go over and check out your books. But yeah, generally speaking, it feels like uh, you want to show people that you're good at the thing that you're trying to show them you're good at and not the peripheral stuff. Yeah, exactly. My newsletter was pretty much, um, I don't know, this content marketing, basically, like, I had people who stayed on my newsletter list because they loved my emails, not because they liked my books. And so it just, it was, it's not, it, it was interesting to me. Um, and I didn't make a whole ton of money off of my books um, in the last year from my newsletter, because my re my readers were like, devouring my newsletter, but not reading my books as much. And so um, and that's pretty much the only experience I have with content marketing. And I didn't realize that was content marketing <laughs> until like recently when I was like, Oh, you love my newsletters. That's why you stick around. <laughs> okay. This doesn't work out so much for me. <laughs> All right. So I'll take the next one. Um, 
for a while, you'll notice this with basically everything, but there tends to be fads where suddenly everyone is, is offering a new service that, that you didn't realize you needed. And uh, fully produced book trailers. There was definitely a window, window of time when there was an explosion of companies that would do uh, ex, you know, uh, book trailers for you. And at that time, I was making a fair amount of money and I was interested in trying new things. Not necessarily because I thought they'd be, you know, they work like gangbusters, but that's just another thing to have in my quiver just in case I need it. So I got a nice, fully produced uh, uh, trailer and the trailer was good, but the impact was minimal. Like they did a fantastic job. They provided me exactly what they uh, they said they would. The price was actually pretty reasonable considering what they did. But, you know, I, I talk a lot about how when you do a, a social media post, particularly on Facebook, if you put a video or an image on there, it tends to do better than if it's just text. Uh, well, that varies, but, but particularly images. But for a long time, you remember uh, Facebook was pushing video around the same time the book trailers were getting big. I wonder why book trailers were getting big at that time. Uh, so yeah, it did do better than like when I when I announced it via uh, the the book trailer. It did do better than most of my Facebook posts, but it only did as well as my Facebook posts that had video on them. And some of those videos were just you know some sound with a picture sliding by that I had made in five minutes, and some of them were just me talking to the camera for fifteen seconds, which I made in fifteen seconds. And they did as well as the uh, the, the book trailer that cost me you know more than a book cover to make. So uh, I think that there's value, there, there, there is value to video content, but something that like you're going to throw down money for a really good book trailer, you'd better have plans for it. You better have a plan for it that really only can be achieved with a nice, lavish book trailer. Otherwise, it's sort of a vanity thing uh, that doesn't really pay for itself. That said, I probably will be doing at least one more book trailer in the future, but it's going to be one of those, you know, use every part of it situations where I'll, the audio is going to be, belong to me and I'll be able to use that as for other purposes. And there's going to be a lot of associated art and they're going to get all the base files and be able to use those for other things in the future. So I think I, I, I still don't expect that to be a tremendous hit, but I, I wanted all the individual pieces and getting them all at the same time seemed useful. But yeah, uh, book trailers are just not worth it from my opinion. Um, I would agree. <laughs> um, back in the day when everybody's like, let's do book trailers. I have one author friend who did a book trailer and it was through a production company that had actual actors and it was really well done. It felt like a Hollywood trailer and it was awesome. Special effects, everything. And I remember her saying that it did help her sales. But the thing with book trailers is they don't they don't, there's no longevity there. People don't talk about them all the time. Like they do Amazon ads and things like that. And I mean, I put together a, a book trailer. I did all myself. Um, I had a friend of mine who's an actress do the voiceover and it has 379 views on YouTube. And I don't, I mean, it was one of the very first videos I put out, but I'm like, it's, it just, it wasn't worth it to me. Um, some people I would have to say if it's for like sentimental values, like people who love movies, having a trailer that's done Hollywood style might be worth it just as one of those. This is fun, you know, but not, not necessarily as a way to draw traffic in. It's just a different, it's a different media than uh, reading is. Yeah, the thing with a book trailer is the only people that are going to watch it are people that are following you anyway. And why not just send them to the first chapter of the book or something? Because they're follow probably following you because they're readers. Um, out Probably YouTube is where you're going to put your book trailer in the hope that it just magically people start watching it. But that's not really how it works, right? I know enough now about the YouTube algorithms that they reward uh, things that people click on and watch. So a big part of YouTube over there is having a thumbnail that people click on and the people that actually do this for a living and are super into it, they know exactly where to put like their face. They know a face converts better than a picture, you know, exactly where to put the words so that, that we have, cause YouTube will tell you in the stats what the click through rate is for your thing. But anyway, so also anytime somebody's searching on YouTube, your video has to be the answer to this question that they're searching for, right? Nobody's going like urban fantasy book trailer. Nobody is searching for that, I promise you. So you're not going to get any organic discovery from a book trailer. You're just going to be showing it to people who you can 
force it onto you because they're following you already on social media and stuff. So, pro- you know, if you want to do it because you enjoy that medium and you think it'd be a fun thing to do, like I can totally see Joe taking all his art and, and stuff and doing stuff with video. But, you know, that's one thing. But if you're actually going to invest money in it because you think it's going to help with book sales, I would not recommend that. Okay. So my first, um, marketing thing is actually from the very, very first time when I first started being this author stuff, being this author stuff. Okay. Google ads and Goodreads. So this was back. I don't know if this happened with any other author. I don't know anybody who had this, but, um, I signed up for a Google AdSense account and Google reached out to me and they're like, Hey, we want to give you a budget of a thousand dollars plus a team to set up your ads and, and do all of this for you. And, and they were people who they were like, they loved reading and they were excited about my books and they helped me create images. They actually did everything. They created the images, they created the ads, they wrote the ad copy, they targeted people, they did everything. And Nolan and I put in an additional 750 so that we'd have almost a $2,000 um, budget. Um, the ads flopped big time. I didn't get one download that I know about. I got clicks, but they were low. And this was before Book Report and before Amazon was like, like you're getting downloads, you know, before they made things easy to tell. Um, and it just like, I don't know of any reader who found me that way and actually stuck around. And, and so that's Google ads and Goodreads back when they would do like ads. Oh my gosh, those ads were such a money sink. <laughs> they were so awful. And, um, this is back when even giveaways weren't as good. I know giveaways can be a lot better now. So, I mean, if you pay like this $500 or something like that, but anyway, I don't use either of those for my marketing anymore because I mean, nearly $2,000 was a lot of money and for them to not do anything. And then with a team that was behind me, you know, it's just, yeah, whatever. I actually used Goodreads ads. I remember back in 2011, that was it. That was, there was Kindle Nation Daily was kind of the first sponsorship site. And then you could get Goodreads ads. They were the first pay-per-click things that authors were using. And I, I spent probably a few hundred dollars on them because I did find that they converted just enough to make it worth it. I only had two, I had like two book ones then, so I didn't have a whole series or anything. So I couldn't spend 20 bucks to get a reader, but that was way back in the day. I don't think they have them anymore. If they do, it's it's something different and it's more for publishers, I believe, but yeah, but, um, Google ads, I've talked about before. That's actually how I used to make a living was Google running Google AdSense on my I had that guess, what would you call it? A network of uh, home improvement related sites that I wrote content for. And um, that was a pretty good niche to be in as far as a content producer. And that, because the ads that would display on your website would be pretty good. They'd pay pretty well per click. But knowing what I know now, like it was very much, Google was great because they were kind of the first ones that could look at the text on the page and find ads that were related to the text. So that that's great, but I don't really know how that would work too well as an author. I can see why it doesn't work. Here's this same the same thing as I was talking about in the content marketing. It's like here's this nonfiction site trying to sell this fiction thing, which is, you know, we have talked about how subjective fiction is, whether you're gonna like it or not. So I can see why that's a tough match. And I think that still they're predominantly text, like the ones on the search engine. Those were always the best, by the way. If you were ever gonna buy Google ads, the ones on the websites never performed as well as the ones on the search engine where people are actually searching for stuff. But uh fortunately Google still paid us webmasters. But yeah, I just I, I see why it's not a good match. It's just it's tough for fiction. That's not usually what people are looking for when they're they're online. Yeah, the, the the very brief experiment that I had with, with Google ads was one of those where like I got a hundred dollars for like, hey, you're spent a hundred dollars on Google AdWords or whatever. And I did and I realized like I looked up. I don't usually go blindly into these sort of things. So I like I looked into how I should put together a good ad and it was, you know, hundred and eighty percent SEO. Like you had to you had to make sure you were targeted absolutely perfectly and all that stuff. And I was just like, I don't know this alchemy. I'm gonna I'm gonna try someplace where books are more specifically targeted. So yeah, I didn't, I I couldn't even tell you how well those ads did, but they certainly didn't blow me away because I probably would have known if they did. I remember a brief golden era of Google ads when they, right after they came out where I had an Amazon affiliate account and DVD sets, box sets were like 80 bucks back then or 60 bucks. And I would promote the DVDs in my Google ads that people would search for stuff in the search engine and they converted well enough and the ads were cheap enough that even with the crummy, I don't know what Amazon was paying, let's say five or 6%, I was making money uh, on the, you know, 
making money on the, what do you call that? Arbitrage, something like that. The, the, the difference between how much it costs to get the ad and how much affiliate income I made from Amazon. Didn't do that a lot. I'd like to do, focus my time and energy on things that actually add value to the world. At least, you know, I, I, I think my entertainment hopefully had some value, but it was an interesting time there at the, right at the beginning. So the next mistake I made, which was, I mean, not a huge mistake, $100 mistake maybe, but accepting a BookBub sponsorship when they suggested a category other than the one I requested. This was for my pen name, which I have said, writes, wrote sci-fi romance. So it was always a tough one. There's no sci-fi romance category in BookBub. There's paranormal romance and there's science fiction. And I always felt my stuff was, it's sort of space opera. It was much more likely to appeal to whatever, probably female readers that also were in the science fiction category versus just your kind of average romance reader that likes some paranormal stuff. But, uh, you know, I had, I think I've had two with the pen name and the first one did fine. I got it in the sci-fi category. The second time, you know, I've been trying for like a year to get another one and they finally said, yes, but we want to put it in paranormal romance. And I'm like, yeah, there's spaceships and stars and stuff on the cover. I don't think that's really going to do well there, but I was so like, a book pub. Yes, finally, my pen name is getting a book pub. But I said yes, and it did pretty poorly. It's probably the only book pub ad I've ever had, except maybe one of the earlier international ones that didn't uh, earn out. So I guess, you know, honestly, if you know your book, you know your book better than they do. Uh, I, I would say, especially if you're a more experienced author and it's not your first rodeo, just, I know it's tempting, but you might want to say no if they give you something and you just think it's not like there aren't, for some books, there are going to be multiple categories at work. So maybe it's fine. But if you know in your gut, you're like, oh, I don't think those are my readers. Just pass on it. It's okay. I've passed on them before. They don't care. They just go on to the next person that, you know, is waiting for a slot. I, I can certainly vouch for uh, if you, there are certain uh, genres that work well in two different slots. And an example would be steampunk. Like steampunk is infrequently given its own section, but it usually shows up in sci-fi. And I think it's fair to say that like sci-fi readers probably aren't looking for steampunk when they when they said I read sci-fi. But my steampunk uh, book bubs have still done pretty well because there still tends to be an overlap. And I think that it also ended up in fantasy once and did about as well. So there are certainly things that are close enough to the edge of two popular genres that it can do well in either one. But I also agree that if you're being delivered to readers that aren't really gonna, going to uh, enjoy your stuff, then there's no way it's going to do well. And I can also uh, uh, agree to international. I was amazed that uh, BookBub seems to be tremendously good at figuring out how much you're going to make off of your ad because every time I've been accepted just internationally for something, I made almost to the dollar the amount that I spent on the ad. <laughs> like it wasn't a bad idea. It helped my rankings. I'm sure it had some, some better long tail, but within the like week or so, uh, like if it cost me $170, I made $170 extra that week compared to the previous week. So uh, international, not quite as successful as, uh, as, worldwide this is a tough one because i mean like you have to trust your gut if your gut says it's not going to work then but then the reason it's tough is because i mean turning down a book bub you know <laughs> like that's such a i don't know that i have i don't know if i'd have the strength to do it um and most of my book bub features have been them actually suggesting another category so like if i submitted to middle grade and they're like no this should actually be fantasy or if i submit to fantasy they're like no this is teen or i submit to teen they're like no this is middle grade and i haven't always agreed with them. In fact, I vehemently disagreed with the, this is middle grade, not teen once one, <laughs> but they've, they've actually performed fairly decently. Um, the ones that they've, they've suggested for another thing. So I would say, I mean, just, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, do you tell, just tell people to just turn down that book bub feature, even if it's in the wrong category. I mean, there's going to be some categories that just do not absolutely do not, you know, hop back and forth. And the ones that I've had experience with, you can see why they wouldn't be a big deal, you know, middle grade teen and, um, adult fantasy, you know, and just fantasy in general. Yeah. Those, those generally do overlap a little bit, especially middle grade does cover fantasy versus all the other genres and everything. So I don't know, that's a tough one. I, I don't know if I have the ability to tell people to turn down a book bub. <laughs> well, they're super expensive. So if it's not going to be a good fit, 
you know, think about it that way. Um, and like you said, middle grade to teen might not be a difference, but like if you write Western romances and they suggested, Hey, we want to put this in the paranormal romance category, you know, that's like really different. Those are really different readers. And not that some readers aren't enjoying both, but you know, that's, that's what I'm saying. If you feel in your gut, it's really not your reader. It's okay to pass. They don't hold it against you. I pass on the international ones all the time, especially if it's like my first time trying to get accepted. I'm like, this book has never been on sale before. I want a global deal. <laughs> but um, okay, why don't we go back to Joe? All right. This is another fad, but it's not... I'll speak more generally about it, but I'll speak specifically at first. There was a thing that was called a thunderclap. And this was an attempt where a bunch of authors would get together and try to force something to trend by organizing a social media equivalent of a flash mob. Everybody would tweet or post something with coordinated hashtags at the same time, frequently using precisely the same posts. Like everyone would schedule the same post. There were actually tools that would do this with the hope that, you know, whatever, 25 authors work together to do this and suddenly you get some momentum going. I'm unaware of any of these that actually successfully created a trend. I'm sure some of them created a blip. But what what tended to happen in my uh, observation was people started to feel like it was a piece of manipulation rather than even a piece of promotion. Like, it didn't even feel like you were trying to sell something. It felt like you were trying to game a system. Uh, and when your followers are expecting one type of interaction with you on their feed and they get another, one of three things is going to happen either they're, they're going to unfollow you because you're now giving them something other than what they followed you for uh they're going to ignore it not even realizing it was from you because it's so different from what you normally do or you'll get messages from people asking if you got hacked and i had instances of all three of those happen when i tried doing one of these thunderclap things i felt like it was a bad idea from the start which is why i didn't do it on my main like twitter is where i do most of my my just social media stuff i didn't do it on facebook either I only did it on Tumblr, which I had a presence on at the time. And even there, where I had like a dozen people, I, I lost three of them and got messages from all of the rest asking me if I got hacked. So it, basically, coordinated launch campaigns are not a bad idea. They, they're fantastic. Cross-promotion, we talk about that all the time. But if you're doing a launch campaign that requires you to drastically change the way you interact with your fans via whatever platform you're using... At best, you're going to get some blowback. So try to be a lot more organic with those sort of coordinated things because gaming the system just rubs people the wrong way. I never did one of these, but I remember when it was a thing. <laughs> I remember seeing it, you know. And I think any time that, and if it sounds like a scheme, <laughs> it smells like a scheme, it's probably not going to work. Um, I don't have too much to add. Just to say that, this is kind of the, when you get into the, I'll scratch your back, you scratch my back kind of thing, which is kind of what this is. You had a, they would promote you, but you had to promote 50 other people, you know, it just gets to be the potential for annoying your audience that you're working really hard to build up is very high and you're probably not going to get very much out of it. So just to clarify, so Thunderclap, I don't know, maybe uh, you guys knew this or not. Um, was it actually Thunderclap? I can't remember. There was a company that would, like you would, you put up your campaign and then you would have people go in and volunteer to have that get released on the exact same time. That's pretty much what you're talking about, right, Joe? Yep. Okay. So um, the good thing about it, and I had several that actually went really, really well, is um, you can choose who, I mean, you could choose who it who um, would post about it. And I chose readers and they were posting about books regularly. And so it wasn't something that was, you know, out of the norm. It didn't. And they, I let them choose their own. Um, I, I picked like five options and they were close enough to how they worded things anyway, just to make it a, a, a I am this words. <laughs> it's hard. Anyway, it was close enough to what they usually said and how they usually talked that it wasn't a big deal. Um, and I was honestly sad when they went out of business. Uh, but if it's, I mean, I totally like what Joe and Lindsay are saying. I totally agree. If it's not something that those people would post regularly and especially the back scratching, um, I absolutely hate back scratching. I don't, I don't, even if it weren't kind of unethical and kind of in the gray area, I still wouldn't like it. You know, authors posting reviews for each other and doing things like that. I mean, that's just, it's just not, I don't know. It's not my thing. <laughs> okay. So Wattpad, um, 
Wattpad is one that I'm mentioning here. And Wattpad is one that I've gone back to over and over and over again, because I love the idea. I think it's a great idea, but it is not, it has not worked out for me and it has not worked out for the majority of authors. Again, if you are hearing people over and over and over having success there, then and over the years and not just, you know, like here and there throughout time. And oh my goodness, this person had a billion reads and they're getting a movie made. It's so, it's just rare. It's really, really, really rare. And I know I've gained some really, really diehard readers through it. Like one of them, I, I flew out to Ohio to hang out with her. And then she flew out here to hang out with me. Um, in general, it was a lot of time over many, many years that were wasted. Um, I even had my assistant putting chapters up one at a time. And that falls under the don't have your assistant do something that doesn't get you good results thing. So the 80-20 thing. Um, and I have a comment on this below. There's your little uh, tease for the future. But just because it's working for someone else doesn't mean you need to try it or put it into your regular, regular marketing cycles. And this is not to say that you won't have success with Wattpad because I do know several authors who have had major success. And I did in the beginning. They were really awesome. It was back when they... They were featuring authors a lot. I don't know if they still do. I'm sure they do. But they reached out to me and they were like, hey, we'd love to feature your book. And they helped me launch my very first book. Uh, and we had a feature a week at a time in the beginning. And that's where all my diehard readers came from. But that was the end of the diehard readers. And like it, everything ever since then, nothing has actually been successful. So it's all been a waste of time. And I don't know. I feel like it's... I write YA in adult fantasy, but even my YA stuff there, like the, my biggest readers are adults and they don't hang out on Wattpad. And so, yeah, there. So I put my first three Emperor's Edge books up on there, probably 2011, 2012. It was the time I was doing the patio books. I was making them free that way. I was, you know, you guys know, I've always been open to putting stuff out for free in order to kind of lure people <laughs> into the series, ideally. And um, I did get some readers. I think I just actually checked while Andrew was talking. I was like, let me show you if I have what the views are. Uh, again, that's another thing where every page, I think it's every page load or every chapter counts as a view. So if one person reads at the end, that's 50 views. And just because they viewed it doesn't mean they actually read it. So those can be deceiving. But um, I did get some people following along and reading the books. I think I put two and three up because people asked for it. But it was really iffy on if that actually sold any books. Um, you know, I, I think at the time you can even put links in there. I don't know if that's still true, but I couldn't be like, buy the rest of the series on Amazon if you're interested. Um, I think Wattpad's probably best for those who are actually wanting to do like a web serial. Like maybe, like I put them up and my books were already published. So I just went in, here's the finished product, uh, a chapter a week or whatever I did. I don't remember. Um, and, but I did just click and check and it's basically the same views as the last time I looked, which is probably like five years ago. So we got like 500,000 however many views when I was originally posting them, but it doesn't look like people find the old content on there necessarily. So that's something to think of too. Like I, I'm happy to put my stuff for free, but, and I always see like in a year on YouTube, will people still find the old videos? I don't know. Um, so that's kind of like, I've been hesitant to be like, Oh, you guys got to do this. It's so great. But, um, you know, if, if some people do, cause I've noticed on just following YouTubers that their old videos don't usually get a lot of views compared to their newer stuff. So I don't know how much the success I'm having there now, now is playing into the fact that these are still relatively new videos, but that was my experience with Wattpad. I, I think it could be okay if you were writing for that teen audience. Uh, honestly, I think it's best if you are a teen. That's the kind of people I see doing really well, or you're really dialed in because you have teenagers or something. But um, yeah, and you're really because you need to kind of go around and work the system. It's kind of a social media platform, right? You're gonna go comment on other people's stuff, and they comment on yours, and yeah. So I think that's kind of how people are working it. The, the ones that do find success, uh, you know, maybe it's just a fluke that they get picked by the. I think they have people that pick things to highlight, but you can tell we're pros on this. Obviously we should get someone on from Wattpad, I would say, but they just announced they're selling their company. So we'll see what happens. Uh, anyway, I will pass it to you, Joe. I, uh, I have, I put up all my free books on Wattpad and I put them up chapter by chapter. Uh, and also I did a web serial. I did a thing, 50 chapter uh, thing that eventually I released as a novel as well, but it's still up on Wattpad. Like if you really want to read it chapter by chapter on the internet, instead of buying the book, that option exists. And I can tell you that, uh, I definitely brought over some fans, particularly with the web serial. Uh, the ones, the free book ones, mostly people, when, when I did get comments on them, they were just asking where book two and book three were. And I was like, they're available for purchase anywhere on the internet. And they were not interested. But when I was putting out week by week a story that was dedicated to Wattpad, I, I got a lot of comments and a lot of readers 
some of whom followed me over, but certainly not like a large enough amount that I would use this as a, as a strategy for other books. And also, as Lindsay was saying, a lot of the comments that you get, at least back then, were just people who had written their own stories and would show up and say, hey, this is a great story. You should come over and read mine. And I'm like, so like, I would say that that sort of engagement is not terribly useful for you selling your books. All right. So I think my last one of these is going to be Facebook events and giveaways of Kindles and things like that or money. Um, I participated in some group Facebook events in the day and you just spend the two hours or whatever answering questions and doing that stuff. And, and, you know, I think I was did part of a giveaway where the, we all chipped in the, I think it was an iPad, man. It was big money. It was a buy an iPad. We were going to preload all our books on it. So they had to have our stuff. You know, I don't remember what it was exactly. I was just along for the ride, but it did not sell any books for me. And I, you know, back then you could still, it didn't take a whole lot to move sales rank. So, and it, it still doesn't if you're like a hundred thousands. And I kind of, I was kind of spying on the other authors in the giveaway. So I'm like, well, maybe they're getting more out of this than I did. So like that day and the following day, like, eh, their sales didn't, didn't really move either. So I did a couple of those that other people organized. Just why not, you know, try everything once. Right. But, um, what I really, I have talked, you know, I say this over and over again. What really works for me is giving away my own fiction for free rather than prizes that are not related to it, other than loosely in that it was an e-reader. Uh, and because then if somebody clicks on it, they're vaguely interested, they read it, they become a fan. I think you're really, you know, it's not that you can't give do giveaways and things like that, or it's a horrible idea, but it just seemed like I didn't really see getting anything out of it versus me spending that 50 bucks for a free booksy or I don't know we had free booksy then. This is probably like 2015. Um, you know, 50 bucks on a promo of my free book on Amazon. That gets me like a lot more. You know, I get even a lot of people don't read the free book, but enough do that it sells more books in the series. So that was my experience. And it doesn't help that I'm an introvert and not particularly social and don't want to do group party things. So I already had a bit of a going into it, but yeah, go ahead. Uh, whoever's commenting first. Um, so I have never done a giveaway like that. Um, again, just as we were saying earlier about people expect more of the same from you. Uh, uh, I, my expectation would be if you're giving away something that is not your book, then people who aren't interested in your book will get it and then will be happy that they got it and go on their way. That would be my guess. But again, I've never done that. Uh, I've been, a, I've been a part of a couple Facebook events and I don't, well, in no case were they things that I was the one who would be able to quantify the success because it was part of a group project that uh, didn't lead directly to something that I had analytics on. But uh, I did enjoy myself. Like I'm not, extroverted at all but particularly when all it requires is for me to sit there see if somebody has a question for me and then type an answer to that question which i did in both uh, as a facebook thing and also as an ama back when they did the first story bundle uh i enjoyed those uh, and i also had a little bit of networking come out of those but i don't really know how much of those actually translated to greater sales for me yeah um i would have to say that the only facebook events i've heard that have actually worked are for like romance authors. Um, so, and, and going off of what Lindsay said, I mean, this is my comment is going off of what Lindsay said, but, but Facebook group takeovers have never worked for me. Pretty much anything to do with Facebook that isn't an ad has never worked for me. Um, I know I gained a, like a small handful of readers here and there, and I've enjoyed some of the events. Um, but when it comes to selling fiction, unless, like I said earlier, you're right in incredibly similar genres like billionaire romance, readers don't generally result from these sorts of events. And I, like I said, also, I have heard of romance authors who have had a lot of success off of this, especially Western romance authors. There's a very well, um, curated group. I can't remember what it's called anymore. And I got I got um, locked out of my Facebook account that was associated with it like years ago. But there's a really, really well curated group for readers of Western um, fiction, historical Western fiction, romance specifically. And posting in that group got you downloads. And, um, and the, the, the admins would allow authors to post here and there and they would feature people. And like, it was, I mean, some of the authors that I know who are huge in Western romance, uh, got their start in that group. And so it doesn't work for fantasy though. I've never heard of it working for fantasy. So <laughs> moral of the story is don't worry about it. Don't stress about it. If you want to do again, that's kind of the point with all of this. If you want to do it, then do it, but 
don't expect to get a lot of money out of some of these things that we're talking about, unless you maybe write romance and you're in the ex the exception group, you know? <laughs> All right. So my next one here is uh, collaborations with creators of other media. And I want to make this absolutely clear. I definitely think that if you get the opportunity to work with an illustrator or an animator or anyone in a different art form and produce something together that works to both of your strengths, you should do it. I've done it several times and the whole experience each time has been enriching and interesting and, and we both produced something that was better than we could have produced individually. But I didn't do it going into, well, like if I went into it expecting to sell more of my other books because I did that, I would have been disappointed. Uh, I'll give you two examples. Um, Structophis, Pizza Dragon, uh, that started life as a one-chapter story that was written as a gift to an artist friend. It was uh, based upon, like, the, the, the Pizza Dragon was based upon something that that artist drew frequently. Uh, their fans really liked it, so I made another chapter. Their fans liked that, too. So I was like, all right, well, I'm, you know, a sixth of the way to a book anyway. I'll, I'll throw a couple of weeks and, and finish this up. And their fans did read it, but they read it and they, you know, they bought that and they didn't follow through to any of my other stuff. And again, I didn't do it for that reason. But if I had thought, oh, this is a popular artist who will follow, all of their fans will come over and love my other books. It wouldn't have worked out that way. There's another artist I had worked with who uh, wanted to do a webcomic. And uh, they had done work for me in the past and they had done fan art for me in the past and they wondered if I would write a script for a webcomic. And a webcomic script is going to be very short. Mine was probably about 10 times longer than it needed to be and it still was shorter than anything I released that year by a wide margin. It was like 25,000 words, which is enough for like two years of webcomics. And uh, it worked out great. It was called Weird Nothing. I just released it as a novella to my Patreon. Why? Because uh, it didn't make it all the way through to the end of the story as a webcomic, because that would be two years of webcomic. And rare is the webcomic that lasts two years, because it's a lot of work for the artist, not a lot of work for the writer. D um, it didn't really move the needle on anything. I really enjoy it, enjoyed doing it and it produced something that it really was fun, but it's not like I made a name for myself in webcomics. And even if I did, they would be looking for more webcomics from me, not more, you know, not looking for my other novels. So if you're going to work on something, that's the thing you're working on. Devote it to that and hope that does well. Don't hope, you know, don't expect to get audience from another art form if you do collaboration. It's not a promotional tool. It's just a fun artistic thing. Um, so I'm married to my art collaborator person. <laughs> so he does stuff like this for free for me. So like he's made miniatures for me and, um, like little figurines, miniatures is what they're called, the little figurines and monsters. And he's drawn a lot of art stuff for me. And that's been a lot of fun, but I would totally, I definitely agree with Joe. It's not, those things have not increased my downloads. They've been a lot of fun to have. And my readers have loved those kinds of things, but you know, they don't make people want to download more because reading is in your brain and visual. And sometimes people don't even agree with the artist's interpretation, you know? And so, um, I haven't had that happen with me because, uh, they know I'm married to him and I don't think they dare say anything to me, but, um, a lot of, I've, I've seen this happen before where they're like, that's not how I picture the character, you know, or that's not how I picture those monsters or whatever. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's fun. Like Joe said, if you want to do it, then do it, but don't, don't expect it to actually make a whole ton of money. I don't have any experience with this. Uh, you guys know how I feel about collaboration. The one time I did is because I got a train ride out of it and a trip to uh, New Orleans. I mean, it wasn't, I had to pay for it, but it, so it was like an adventure. I got to do it. Um, but yeah, I think this is true too with novels. Like I, I see a lot of times it's kind of like the James Patterson model, right? The lesser known author writes for the big name that people are buying and they think, well, this will be the start of my career. Um, and I'm not saying that, that, that you're not going to get any people checking you out if you collaborate with a bigger name author, but make sure your butt's getting paid for that. Don't do it just because you think it's going to drive, uh, people to your other works because it probably will be pretty minimal the crossover on that. Uh, so yeah, make sure you're getting paid for that kind of thing. And Andrea, it looks like we have one more of these before we tell you guys that what we teased at the beginning, something we like that does work. <laughs> Yeah. Um, book bub ads. 
we've we've actually put um, a lot of money into BookBub ads. I put a lot of money, like uh, probably a, almost a thousand dollars when they first came out, and then Nolan did it again about five hundred dollars a little bit after. Um, a little bit after, like a couple of years ago, maybe a year and a half ago. And they just, they never worked. We never got them working. And so the problem with Facebook and BookBub and Amazon ads is this, everyone talks about how much money you can make doing them. So authors feel pressure to try them out, to master them, et cetera. Um, because if they don't, they're leaving all this money on the table and their whole business is going to explode. And all these other authors are getting all the money and you're being left out, but it's not, that's just not true. Um, it's, that's not the way it is. And just because someone is successful or something is successful for someone else, it doesn't mean it'll actually be good for you, especially if you don't have time to learn them fully, which leads to you learning if they'll actually work for you or not. So what I mean by that is if you have, if you don't have time to put the time into it, to devote to it, to learn it, then you won't know if they're going to work for you or not. Um, and then, and you guys, you're gonna have fun commenting on this because I actually have three points here because I didn't want to. <laughs> okay. My next point is any marketing that isn't you in your voice were applicable. And actually Joe talked about this earlier. It's going to do poorly. Readers can tell when your heart isn't into something. So if you're pushing a promotion because you feel like you should, it's going to end up being a waste of time. And then my last point, any marketing tactic where you don't measure results is potentially wasting your time and money. Um, because a lot of we have, we're humans, we forget stuff, right? So if you don't watch and record what happens when you try something, you'll never learn what works. And then, like I said, if you'll forget something and you'll be like, Hey, Oh yeah, that one website, I'm not going to actually mention it because it works for everybody else. But every single time I've tried it, it's not worked. And so I'm like, I need to stop trying it. Um, but make sure you're recording what you're doing. Keep track of, of where you're promoting. I mean, this isn't such a big deal now because when you've been doing it for a while, because you're going to remember a lot of this stuff after, over the years. But in the beginning, when everything is hitting you over the head, just keep track of stuff and you can figure out what, you know, what to put your time and money into. Just imagine if you were like advertising on TV and that's all you had open to you because it was 20 years ago where magazines, you had no way to know if it converted or anything. The quote's like, I know 50% of my advertising works, but I don't know which 50% it is, something like that. But it's true, uh, at least with the pay-per-click ads, you get some pretty good data. If you're able to use your Amazon affiliate link, you can get some data that way. But it is tough. Uh, on BookBub ads, I've also struggled to make those worthwhile, even with a series. I've read David Gogren's book and I'm like, 2% CTR, how are you getting this? I'm just like, can't get it no matter what I do. That one's hard because you have to make graphics and I've, I've made clunky ones using their generator. I've had my uh, book designer people make like a series of six and tried different ones. And I'm just like, why am I putting this much effort into something that doesn't work that well for me? Amazon ads work pretty well for me. Facebook ads like, work great on like a 99 cent box set. I've had really good luck on that kind of thing as a that like on an account that wasn't linked with me. So I knew it wasn't like my people buying it from my Facebook page, you know, but yeah, if it's just not working for you and sometimes it's not you sometimes, I mean, it's probably me. Let's face it. I can't do graphical stuff, but I mean, there may be a lot of people in your genre that aren't having all much luck just because you see somebody running ads doesn't necessarily mean they're successful. I, I did the best luck I ever had with book club ads was with my uh, sci-fi romance. And I, I've mentioned before, I think that's because they don't support that category. So they hardly ever run sci-fi romance on book club. So I think that when I, when you run the ads, we're like, Oh, finally, you know, Hey, I love sci-fi romance. I'm seeing it. So I think that's why that worked. Epic fantasies on there all the time. So that may be, I mean, and it, again, I don't want to make excuses. It may just be that I really suck at putting together ads, which I probably do. Um, that's why I love that Amazon ads, I can do like auto generate, you know, no copy, just put the book cover in there. And those work pretty good for me. Uh, so I guess that is, um, Joe, did you want to comment on this too, before we move on? Sure. Um, uh, yeah, I, I actually put in the work to get pretty decent at BookBub ads like two years ago. And I, uh, I, I think I spent $300 on running tests. And then I ran one ad campaign that made me about, after I measured my results, it made me about $340. So I made $40 on on uh, several weeks of, of trial and error. And then I was like, great, this is another thing I'm going to do. And then I didn't do it again because of the enormous amount of work that was involved in actually getting something that I knew would work. I was just like, let me just stick to some of my other concepts and never came back to it. So I think that BookBub ads absolutely can work, but I also agree that the amount of effort that goes into making a good one, uh, it, it, if you're not into that, if you're not going to stay on top of it, then it's just a fantastic way to spend money. 
I think too, I actually haven't opened a BookBub email for a couple months, so I could be wrong, but I think last summer I noticed that they started, not only were they giving you the category you signed up for, but they started adding on, you may also be interested in these books and these other categories. And suddenly there were like six more books at the bottom of the usual four books. And I was like, there's the ad way at the bottom. So I would be curious to know if people saw a big drop off when that happened. I, I haven't used BookBub ads in, in probably a year, so I don't know. But And I'm not sure, like I said, if they continue doing that. I'm sure they experiment and see how well things work and if they're going to keep doing it or not. All right, we promise we will finish up with something. This is the title, something that is totally worth the time and has worked over and over for us. Okay, you guys are gonna come as no surprise to you since I talk about it all the time, but the free book one or the free novella or side story that is about the characters from your series and leads them into the main series or your first book if you only have a book. Yeah, I write it, I share it everywhere I can for free. And that's key. I think a lot of people write it and they try to make it their thing that you have to sign up your email to download. Just put it out there everywhere. Everywhere people are. Like on YouTube, uh, there's 2 billion monthly active users on YouTube. That's why I was like, I wonder if audiobooks will work. Let me find out. And so far it's working. Um, you know, on Amazon, however many zillions of people are on Amazon, put your free book there. You know, put it everywhere you can if you're going to do this. Uh, obviously, if you're in... Kindle Unlimited, you're going to have to create some other content that's going to be free if you want to either that or just accept that you can only do your five or seven days a quarter free. And that's fine. You can try that too. But if it's just out there all the time and you promo it whenever you get a chance, you just tweet, hey, every now and then I do like a Facebook author page tweet, not tweet, but post that's like, this is what I have for free right now. And I have a pretty extensive catalog. So it's usually like eight things. And those are some, those are probably my most shared tweets aside from the dragon toilet paper holder. Let's, let's face it was awesome. Um, you know, people love to share free stuff. It's, uh, free stuff is good. They enjoyed. I mean, uh, this only works if your first book is good enough that people, you know, enough people are going to like it to continue reading. I think a lot of people that don't have success with this, it's their first book they wrote. It's probably, and that's tough. That's tough when your weakest book is your serious starter. And that's why most people recommend not publishing your first book that you write. But um, it continues to work. Like it, you, sometimes you have to adjust the tactics, like back in 2014 or something, Amazon used to have a top 100 free next to the top 100 paid. That was pretty amazing. I know Joe got a lot of downloads then because I remember that book it, Deacon book is above mine in the rankings all the time. Dang that, Jalalo. He's such a pain in the butt. I was so envious. <laughs> he did have the much better cover though. But um, it continues to work. You just sometimes, uh, you know, you might have to adjust tactics every now and then. But I, I love that. I'm always willing to give stuff away for free. All right, you guys. All right. Um, I'm going to say, well, yes, I free book. Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, so my comment here is I have a really simple one. This is a extremely actionable for anybody who's looking for something to try in a hurry. Um, start a conversation with your fans. Uh, and I don't just mean talk to your fans. I mean, start a conversation that your fans are a part of in almost any context. If you're hoping for more engagement, try to get your fans talking to you and to get them talking to each other without fail. My most successful Facebook posts or tweets are the ones that end with a question mark. It's really that simple. Um, ask a harmless question that's associated with your stories and you'll get comments. And when you get comments, the algorithm says, Oh, there's engagement. Let's show it to more people. And then we'll get more comments. Uh, and it's just a really simple, easy way to get more eyeballs on your post short of boosting a post. Uh, there are, there's no better way that I can think of to have a picture and a question in your, in your, uh, in your thing. And, uh, it tends to be really helpful because to give you an idea of how useful this is to me and why I'm saying this is a promotional tool as opposed to just a thing to do. Uh, I don't boost posts on my, on my Facebook very often, basically only new releases. Uh, so, you know, Facebook doesn't particularly like my fan page. It doesn't show my stuff preferentially over very much else. So when I have a thing that starts a good conversation, uh, and it starts getting more engagement, gets shown to more people, very frequently I'll get someone, and I mean, when I say very frequently, I mean almost every time that it gets a really good amount of uh, engagement, someone will show up in the comments and be like, oh, wow, I didn't know there was a sequel to this book. And I'll be like, as a matter of fact, I reply like, yeah, there's actually two sequels to this book that came out since you read that one. So, and that's two sales. Like, it, it's amazing how much just getting your book 
your, your, your post in front of more people really helps. And it's really remarkably effective to just ask a question to make that happen. And to go on with that, um, ask a question in your subject lines. Those actually get good opens as well. Okay, so my, um, um, let's see, where am I in, in my notes? Single author giveaways, targeting readers through Facebook ads. Um, I've mentioned that before though. So this is one that I've done before. Um, it's been a few years, but a group of like-minded authors got together and um, there were, I don't remember, there were, I think there were like seven of us and we built a promotion together. And um, we read each other's books and loved each other's books and then decided to share them with our readers. And this works best, best with a small group of readers or authors who have active newsletter lists. And um, it went phenomenally well. Um, um, let's see. Our books went to the top 100 with each email. So what we did was, and this is what you could do as well, you pick out the authors that you know are like books and I mean, like-minded books, you know, same style books and you read them. And if you like them, then whatever, right? Okay. So in week one, Bob would share the four books with his email. So if there's four authors or whatever, Bob would share the four books with his readers. And because he's read them, he's able to share them enthusiastically. Then week two, Wendy shares the books with her readers. And again, because she loved them, she passes her excitement onto her readers. And then in week three, Annie shares with her readers and week four, George shares with his. And you don't want to do a whole ton of authors because you have to read the books, right? But also, um, the first two books in that list are going to get clicked the most. And so I would say, suggest limiting it to four, maybe five. We did seven, like I said, and it really, really helped. It really, really went well. Um, but doing something like this, requires building relationships and those relationships must be built in advance. So, um, some of us in our group hadn't known each other previously, but most of us had known each other for a while. And if you do this, you want to make sure that you're building that relationship with somebody for six years or six years, six months to a year in advance, especially if the authors are going to be reading each other's books. Um, a week of back and forth emails does not make a relationship. And a lot of the, a lot of promotional things you're going to do with other authors. Anytime you ask another author to help you out in any way, it needs to be a relationship you have with them that, you know, where you've been communicating for a while, they don't, they might recognize you in a crowd, but you know, you don't want it to be like where they just recognize you crowd, but they don't remember your name unless you remind them. So, um, anyway, so as I mentioned, um, doing the above worked out really, really well for us. Uh, two of the authors in that group, and I'm not going to say names just because I don't, I don't, nobody says names, right? We just don't say names. <laughs> um, it's they like had fight club. <laughs> fight club. Yes. Fight club. Um, we don't talk about fight club, right? Um, anyway, so they had one of them in particular, she had particularly, she had one series and it was a really good series. It had not been discovered yet. And this email, this thing that we did got it discovered. And that, that series was in the top, um, I don't know, 200 back when they showed a lot more than they show now of, um, the urban fantasy for probably four or five years. I mean, it was up there for a very long time and she's now off doing promotions with really big urban fantasy authors. And so I'm like, this is, this is a great way for people to get a start, but you, you, you don't want to reach out to people who are way ahead of you. We were all on the same level basically. And, um, Anyway, so it worked out really well. It didn't, it worked out really well for me, but it didn't do that much to me just because my books, her books are more on market and they're more what readers were wanting and my books aren't. And so I've always had to do the push the boulder uphill with my marketing. And so I'm learning, I'm learning. I've been doing this for what, um, almost 12 years since, you know, and I'm, I, it's yeah, whatever the end. <laughs> Now, I feel you there because that's why I'm always so willing to give stuff away for free is because I'm never really to market, to trope, writing anything trendy. Like the people that do that and do it well, they don't have to give away free stuff. They're just writing what people want. People are like, yeah, I'm going to buy that. Heck yeah. Whereas mine, they're like, hmm, roboticist in space has seizures. I don't know. It's not sound like Han Solo. So that's why I, you know, not, none of this is for all of you guys. You know, you figure out what works over time. And I think the, the group thing, and I didn't mean to suggest when I said my Facebook group events were horrible that, uh, like what Andrew was talking about, that sounds great because you actually, if you actually read the other author and you're a fan of their work, then you, everything you do is authentic. You can genuinely recommend the book and go back and forth. And with a small group like that, that sounds perfect. All right, we are well over the hour mark, so we will close it off here. Thank you for listening, everyone, and thank you to Joshua Pearson for producing the show. You can find the show notes or leave a comment at sixfigureauthors.com with the number six or sixfigureauthors.com. 
that's the name of our Facebook group, I think. Not with the number six, six figure authors, type it into Facebook, you'll find us or come to the site. We've got the link in the notes. All right. Have a great week, everyone. Enjoy your nanny. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Wait, enjoy your nanny. Um... <laughs> so I'm sure you will. <laughs> <laughs>